Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello and welcome to the show. Our guest today is Anna Talia Pietra, and she is an Italian lean office trainer and consultant. And in order to make good use of her former education, Anna mixes methods and tools from design thinking and design sprint to the traditional lean tools using microstructures to help people interact and find ideas during their improvement projects. I'm super excited to have you on the show, Anna. I, I believe you are the first one to speak about design thinking. So this is going to be a fun show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited and it's my first time on a podcast, so I'm very happy and glad to be here. Oh, that's exciting. And where are you calling in from, Anna? We, 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 we obviously hear your, uh, the difference, the different accent. Uh, where are you yeah, calling in? Yeah, of course. From? <laughs> I'm coming from uh, Verona. So Romeo and Juliet's uh, town. Oh, very nice. Okay. Uh, and English is not your first language, correct? No, of course not. And I always read or I read a lot in English, but I'm not so fluent in speaking because I'm, I don't have the chance to do it so, so often. Sure, sure. Well, that's okay because we're going to take our time here and we're going to, we have, we have some uh, really great value add for the listeners around design thinking and microstructure. So I'm excited to just hear a little bit of your expertise and how you apply uh, that in the lean world. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your backstory? People that don't know you, uh, obviously they can go out and check you out on LinkedIn a little bit about uh, you know, your, your background, but could you just fill us in on, you know, where, where you've been and, and what your experience has been with design thinking and lean? I mean, in lean, I first heard the, the word Kaizen when I was 18, uh, but I never met lean again since five years ago when I, I met my sensei, I call him. So, and it's quite funny because I was training in the gym and he found that my commitment and my seriousness in training could be great behaviors mm. for a practitioner. So I just started working with him and I was so lucky to begin with very big and important organizations such as, I don't know if you know them, but Clementoni, Scavolini and Ferrari mm -hmm. were my first clients, my first experiences. And I learned by doing mostly, very but nice. I then studied hard to get my green and black belt certifications as well. And Mainly, I choose to focus only on uh, Lean Office because it's near my background story or my origins, I call them. Sure. I graduated in international communication and worked for 15 years in marketing, sales, and change management. Okay. And I also think that Lean is all about people and their motivation to change. So Lean Office is my challenge to uh, really work on changing their way to do things. And when you reach this point, you can see amazing things happen. So I also work uh, now for the Italian Lean Institute. Okay. So maybe you can work with me, but we can uh, maybe meet some other colleagues of the Lean Institute. Absolutely. And then some years ago, that's my design thinking start. I started studying design thinking and found that it has a lot in common with Lean for the aim and also for the steps they take. Because in design thinking, the first phase is empathize or research. 
Then you have ideate, prototype, and test. Okay. So they're very similar to PDCA and also to DMAG. So sure. it's quite the same thing. And last year, I decided to also to study Design Sprint and certificate myself in Design Sprint Facilitator. And so I started just by just trying. I started using some structures to help people better engage with root cause analysis and countermeasure ideation, mainly. It was the, the two first uh, things I tried on. And this is mainly because 90% uh, of the times I work with people who never heard about lean mm. and no problem solving or process ownership. They don't know what an outcome is or an input is or flow is. So this uh, approach or these structures help me uh, be more soft in, uh, in their lean process. Mm. Meeting them where they are. Yeah. Very nice. What What are some of the organizations that, that you, like what industry do you work in? Mostly? I don't have just one because I work with uh, small organizations and very big ones. Okay. So I told before I work with Ferrari mm -hmm. and it was uh, an amazing experience also because it was my, my first experience. So it was very strong and sure. I had to grow very quickly sure and i am actually working now uh, with gucci mm -hmm. it's um gucci ready to wear mm -hmm. and we are um, working with the line managers in change management and helping them be better leader mm -hmm. and support their people and also with the italian Lean institute we are uh, training some resources in uh, their certificate certification very nice that's amazing. Uh, some really, really great experience, uh, I'm sure, coming out of those uh, those relationships. So you mentioned microstructures a, a couple of times. And for those that yeah. maybe are not familiar with design thinking uh, or microstructures, can you give us uh, an overview of what is a, a microstructure? Yeah, of course. Microstructures are an alternative to classic interaction models. We normally use to work together in uh, meetings or endless keynotes or brainstorming. And there are a sequence of steps. You have clearly directions of what you have to do with people. Mm -hmm. And they always engage also creativity because I think that creativity needs some disciplined practice. Mm -hmm. And microstructures give people clear instructions on how to explore ideas and also go beyond the first thing that comes in their mind. And if you work with an organization that never asked you to be proactive uh, and to think farther or broader, mm -hmm. it's very difficult that you feel confident in having a lot of ideas and maybe also stupid ideas uh, just to build on. So microstructures help uh, people feel safe, I think, and engage them. And they also permit to gather everyone's ideas and point of views. Sure. Right? That yeah. makes sense. And for microstructures, when you're, when th those are primarily used in facilitation, correct? When you're facilitating uh, with a group, but not necessarily, yeah. it could be used by anybody, right? Yeah. What, what would an example of uh, using microstructures, what would that look like uh, if someone was using uh, microstructures while facilitating a, a, a work team or a, a Kaizen event or whatever it may be? I can make an example of 
some of the microstructures I use the most and they uh, in the lean uh, in the lean context and one is the it's called the lightning decision gem it's the one I commented on your post yes and it's a, a sequence of structures actually there are some great videos on Ajay and Smart YouTube channel they are great in this and you start drawing a boat on the flipboard okay and then everyone has to write silently alone on sticky notes what they think is going well and is pushing the team forward about the problem on hand this is why you have you always need a facilitator it's because you need someone outside the group that uh, gives the instructions and keeps the time going and this kind of approach comes directly from design sprint where you always work together alone, they say. First you write alone, and only then you share with the team. And the facilitator is giving you the invitation, it's called, so they ask a question, and the group have to write alone, and then only then to share. And this is great because in uh, when you do an open brainstorming session, you always end up having two people speaking mm -hmm. and the rest of the group just nods and say, aha, uh -huh, I agree with the people before. Right. So you ask everybody then to pick their notes and stick them on the upper side of the, of the boat, the one with the say, reading that, um, them out loud. You don't have any discussion. They just have to read. Mm -hmm. So one by one, they go, they stick their notes and they read out loud. You make another round then of silent brainstorming, writing everything that is uh, holding the team back this time. So what's not working in the problem. Mm -hmm. And this time you don't read out loud. All the sticky notes are on the wall at the same time. This was the, the part of the safe environment. Mm. So people feel free to write what they really think because they don't have to read it out loud. Mm -hmm. So you really can uh, have the, the real idea of what people, is, uh, people are thinking. Right, right. So you have the, um, the positive things and the bad things on the wall, and then you go on selecting the main problem, voting silently, because you have just the sticky dots, and they have to vote the, the main, uh, uh, the main constraint or the main problem they see. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, they find as many solutions as they can. And after another round of voting, uh, you have a few solutions to test in the two weeks. And everything is going on in just one hour and a half. So you don't have any discussion. Nobody is uh, the protagonist. Everyone is engaged. And in one hour and a half, you have a problem. You have a prioritization and you just have a few solutions you can test. Right. They're countermeasure. Maybe they don't work, but it's the same. Sure. Sure. People are engaged and they are, they have the ownership of the problem. I love that exercise. And, uh, the, the one thing that you mentioned was uh, silent voting. And I, I, I wanted to just hit on that just for briefly for a second, because it's important that everyone is there. Everyone's voice is able to be heard. You mentioned that as well. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when you get into a group, 
especially if you have leaders in the room and you know a leader is naturally going to step up and, and throw their vote up first or their sticky up first and so it's unfortunately a lot of people that maybe are more passive or quiet will tend to just follow whatever the leader you know throws up or whatever the leader votes because they you know they want to agree with the leader um, and mm -hmm. sometimes that doesn't give us the best possible outcome. So having silent voting where nobody knows what the leaders in the room have voted, they can vote honestly and get, you know, the, then you get the most, the, the best outcome afterwards. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And also between the team, because you have, uh, you, you gave all the people three dots mm -hmm. or seven dots, it's the same. And first they have just to stare at the sticky notes and decide what they are going to, to vote. And then they vote all together. Mm -hmm. So you know that everyone is um, independent in their voting, in their choice. And in design sprint, it's a little bit different because you have a decider. A decider is mainly the, the leader. Sure. Uh, because you need to have someone who is able to decide yes or no. It's going to work or it's not going to work or the organization will do it or don't. Right. So, but this is a transparent process. So everyone in the team votes what, what they want and the decider then can see, they can, cha can choose if they will follow the, the vote of the team or vote something else. And they have to explain to the team why mm -hmm. they decided to do something else. So you have a real open relationship and the, your decision as a leader has a why. Mm. It's not just, I am the leader, I decide to do this, and this is, this is quite different. Right, and you're engaging the people that are closest to the value at work, the, the, the real experts uh, in, the, in the process. And by having them engaged and involved, the outcome is dramatically different than someone who may be a leader that has some knowledge of, of the process um, and has some some later leadership capabilities, but you know, making a decision about a process, you know, from their desk or from a conference room uh, by themselves does not always give us the best outcome. But when you engage those that are closest to the value at work, as as you're as you're talking about, and have these these uh, microstructures in place that help to direct and engage you know their their the minds of those that are closest to the value at work the outcome is dramatically different yeah and I, what i like most of these uh structures or this kind of exercise or approach is that they completely cut out frustrating discussions and arguments mm. because you don't have time because every exercise has a time to complete and then you only have to share and to vote if you need to reduce and prioritize things. And I found that in Italy, very few organizations really invest on training, on communication and people management. Sure. And a lot of people think that being a good leader or a good communicator is a, a talent mm. and you have it or have it not. Mm. But I totally disagree with this. Uh, I think that even if it's the hardest job in the world, you can learn to be a good leader and practice every single day your capability to use the right words and the right tone of voice. And this should be your job, not firefighting you know, right. most of the time. And Absolutely. I found that in this type of culture, 
microstructures really help to gain confidence following a framework and not having to improvise me. Also for managers, because they do not know how to engage with people and need clear instruction and a bullet point of steps to follow. So for someone or somebody who doesn't know how to do this, microstructures are clear and they are, you can just follow them and try by yourself and then become more confident every time. So you can use just some parts of it and not the whole microstructure. Mm -hmm. And this is what I do because I use, so I use the lightning decision gem uh, many times and it always worked. I made it at the end of a training path asking, what's the challenge now that you have a new approach and new tools to use? Because I would like to, 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 to make them uh, think about the constraints and the fear they had uh, in uh, using lean in their environment. And, and also one time I made one uh, lightning decision jam on email overburden. Really? Okay. So what's, what's good and what's bad uh, in uh, using too, man, too many emails in communication and from them finding some solutions and some other kinds of uh, interaction instead of emails. That's amazing. And the great thing is people come up with the solution. So right. it's not you. You're not giving them a solution, but you're just guiding them. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the things I think that I love most about my job and what I do is I don't have to be an expert in any uh, industry or application uh, uh, that's that's out there. I, I just have to be a good facilitator. Uh, you know, I have to understand how people work, how people's minds work, and help that help them to get the the uh, expert knowledge out of their heads and make it visual so that we can do something with it. And I, I love that. Uh, about you know what what I do, so it sounds like we're on the same page there. Uh, you mentioned lean and you, your um, connection with lean and using design tools in lean environments or on lean projects and and in lean and six sigma projects. Can you give us maybe some some other examples of how you think that microstructure or liberating structures can help in in lean projects or six sigma projects? Yeah, I use uh, some parts of microstructure or also from the, from the lightning decision jam mm-hmm. in, to help people that have no, no idea about lean or some problem solving to do an uh, A3. So they use the microstructures to make the Ishikawa okay. and to come out with uh, all the possible causes and, uh, and then they voted the silently voted on the the one they thought it would be the the root cause, mm-hmm. and then they use also another microstructure. It's always the same. It's, it's always they're just small parts of the lightning decision jam. So you don't do the first part, and you just use uh, some parts of the exercises they do, and so on the root cause, and then they had to reframe the root cause. That's a phrase, a sentence, and they have to reframe it as a question. And these questions always start with how might we. So if someone is coming and the root cause is uh, our manager never talks to us. Mm. Okay. You have to reframe it. Mm. So it's how might we 
find a way to free time of our leader to speak to us. Hmm. Because how might we do something hmm. or find some is uh, unleash the creativity. So it's a question. It's not, uh, it's not just a sentence. Right. So when they, uh, when they voted the, the root cause, they had to reframe it as a how might we question mm. and then to do another silent brainstorming on the countermeasure they found. So everyone is, uh, has to, to write uh, at least five, okay. five ideas or five countermeasures and then they stick them on the wall and then they read out loud, no discussion allowed, and, and then they vote. Mm, very nice. And from from that standpoint, the uh, the engagement again, the engagement goes up, uh, and you're able to apply, you know, some of these different structures in probably at different at different places along a project a project plan, uh, right? Because you can use these microstructures in the beginning when you're defining a project you could use them during the root cause analysis portion you can use them during solutioning right so it's, it sounds like the these tools can also be used throughout over yeah and over again. always when i see some teams that are stuck they can think about nothing more than what they already thought already so uh, i always give them the sticky notes Everyone has his um, sticky notes and they silently have to write everything they can think about and then stick them on the wall. Also because this is a fantastic way to help people talk to each other mm. in a yeah. proactive way and without discussion and without arguing. And it's very, it's quicker mm -hmm. and it's respectful. Sure, sure. Because another macrostructure I use is called, it's a liberated structure. There's a website, Liberating Structures. It's, um, there are 33 structures you can use. Okay. Uh, there's the, the website, the book, and also the, the mobile app. Okay. And uh, EcoCycle Planning, it's called. And it's very useful to map out all the projects your organization is working on to see if they are in the birth, growth, maturity, or creative destruction phase. So you can stare at the reality of facts. You can see, you can map out all your different projects. Can be maybe it could be uh, three projects, and make some decisions about what to keep and what to throw away. So maybe this could be a great microstructure to use after having done the ocean carry, mm. because you pick out all the, the 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 projects you have on hand right now and see if every if everything is useful or maybe you can just throw something away or you have to renew a project because it's stuck right now. Right. So eco cycle planning and lightning decision jam are great exercises to do. And I use eco cycle planning in, uh, in Gucci okay. uh, to help leader, I say the board, the managers mm -hmm. to uh, make a step back on all the projects and the, uh, the innovation they were doing. So they needed something, someone that make them throw everything out of their head mm -hmm. and out of Excel or some other planning tools you can use because they're very simple to use, but very powerful. Right. 
Absolutely. And so out of all of the different microstructures and liberating structures that you have in on your tool belt, right? I imagine all of these different microstructures and liberating structures on a, on a tool belt, which one would you uh, would you use the most or which, which do you think in, in all the teams that you've facilitated these activities with, which, which one do you use the most? What's your go-to? Light and decision zone. Okay. And yeah. why would you say that? Because you can use it for everything okay. in every part. You can, uh, you can make it last uh, three hours or just half an hour. You can use just one, the first part. So what's good, what's not. It was the one you, um, from the post I commented from you. Yes. Uh, we use it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Start, start, stop and continue. Mm -hmm. And Lightning Decision Jam finishes with, uh, an impact effort matrix. Mm -hmm. So you give people a lot of different exercises they can do alone also, because they have to always think about what, what's the problem, what's okay, what's not okay about this problem, because everything you do have a, a positive intent. Right. So it, also if it's not working, okay, but you have something positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also waste <laughs> sometimes it's because the, the way they are working right now it's easier uh, for, for what they have for their capabilities right now so you just throw everything outside your mind and what's good what's not mm -hmm. and then you have to brainstorm a lot of solutions you have to uh, build on the ideas of others it's a great thing about microstructures building uh, building on the ideas of others so together, we always get something greater than alone. That's right. That's my opinion, Mary. Well, uh, and the way that you facilitate microstructures too, you do allow for uh, a, a single person's ideas to to come out by themselves, but then you also use the structure to then collectively bring everything together. And, and so it's, it's very structured in that it's not just a big group of people arguing and throwing their ideas out there and talking over each other. And it's very structured in that a single person has some ideas in their mind and we need to get those out of their mind. Uh, and then, and then obviously bring them together collectively and figure out, okay, what are, how do we now take all of these different individuals? ideas, bring them together, and then create some action out of that. And that's what I, I love about uh, microstructures too, is, is that it, it's, it's the structure behind that helping to make that happen. As you said, it, it, um, it drives out a lot of the waste that happens sometimes with large groups trying to solve a problem or, you know, move a project forward. So um, yeah, that's... Cut off with this, uh, distraction and discussions is uh, the best part ever. Yeah, because yeah. They, they don't have time to to argue to to make some noise. It just the, the pacing yes. of this exercise is great. Right, and it doesn't it's because it, and it's fun. It is fun. A lot of people, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and they people who had never heard about problem solving are afraid. So uh, if you ask them, just okay, uh, just do some root cause analysis. They never ever talked about it. Mm -hmm. They're used to to hide problems, to hide causes, and they are afraid because they don't have uh, a trust environment or a trusted, trustful uh, culture. So they are afraid to speak up. That's so right. when you just 
use the sticky notes and dots and just pacing the time and have fun with them. Brainstorming and problem solving becomes fun. Mm. Yes, it does. Maybe it's only the, the approach that it's different from right. some very structured Six Sigma approach. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we've talked about some different applications and examples uh, that, that you've applied microstructures or, or liberating structures. Can you tell us maybe uh, a few other applications of where and how you've used uh, these these tools? Yeah, I am. Maybe another one could be uh, another liberating structure. It's called Purpose to Practice. Okay. And it's very useful when you have, when you're starting a project, so you have people that are not used to work together. Uh, it's called Purpose to Practice because it's five different parts. And it involves also a little bit of emotion and <laughs> works well when creating this sense of identity in, in teams to work better together. Mm -hmm. And also in this case, you always have an invitation from the facilitator, this, the question the facilitator makes. And it always had, these questions or these invitations uh, always have the same structure, but must be adapted, of course, mm -hmm. to the situation. And the five parts are what their purpose is. So they have to use always the same approach. So they write silently alone, then they uh, talk together as small groups and they stick on the wall, the different groups stick on the wall what they talk together. So the first is what their purpose is. So um, why is their work or the project important for them and for the community? Mm -hmm. So they have a why, why are we doing this? And why, this is important for us. So this, this is the emotional part. And then they have to, uh, what rules do they have to follow in order to reach that purpose? So they do always the same approach. First uh, alone, then they discuss in small groups, and then they stick what the group has uh, come out. Then uh, the third one is the people they need to engage to have success at that level. And the structure that is how they will organize themselves. And lastly, they have uh, what they're going to do and what they're going to offer to their clients and stakeholders. So it's two hours. This is quite longer mm -hmm. and two hours, but it's great because at the end, the group by itself decided why they're doing what they're doing. So why is this important? What rules the group has to follow? And what's the structure? So what are we going to do to fulfill this purpose? I love it. Uh, and you mentioned uh, time boxing again. Uh, so you mentioned there's, you know, a, a time period for this activity. Uh, so do you, obviously you're trying to get the most uh, out of a short amount of time, right? You, you, you talked about that a few times. What, what do you think the, the importance is of time boxing, of, of really having a time limit for each one of these activities? Uh, it keeps the, the pacing, mm -hmm. so the energy level is always high, and it, help the, it helps the creativity because see, people uh, are, not in, um, are not used to write a lot of ideas or a lot of causes or a lot of solutions. Sure. So if they have too much time and they don't have the pressure of the time scoring, the time, you, you have really a timekeeper, so the clock is running. And 
it's easier for them to just write because they only have five minutes or three minutes or two minutes to do this. And in, the rules are that you don't, you don't have to, if it's three minutes, you do not extend the time, but you do another round. Mm-hmm. So it's three minutes, it's three minutes, it's over. If there's some difficulty or something like that, uh, you do another round. Okay. But pacing is very important mm-hmm. in this kind of uh, interactions. Sure. Sure. So obviously you're very passionate about this and I love that. If, if other people want to learn more about design thinking, design sprints, uh, microstructures, liberating structures, you, you did mention a website earlier in the show. Uh, I want to make sure that we add this into the show notes so that people have somewhere to go to, to maybe get some more information. You know, if someone's interested to, to learn all of these amazing tools and techniques, where, where could they go or where, where can they get more information? So liberatingstructures.com, I think. Okay. It's uh, the official site. So you have, it's not all microstructures there, but there are 33 that you can use. So purpose to practice eco-cycle planning are liberating structures. And you also have the web, the mobile app. It's called Lisa and it's there. So you have to book the site and the app. Okay. And I suggest to follow uh, AJ and Smart. Okay. It's a uh, design sprint agency. They have an amazing YouTube channel where you can uh, start looking for something like that. Okay. It's not, of course, the, uh, what I'm trying to do is Mix the, the two things. So which uh, liberating structures or microstructures are the best to use in uh, a lean uh, journey? Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm going to write something about that on LinkedIn or on, uh, on Instagram. I think that would be great uh, because obviously these these tools definitely apply. I mean, we use a lot of them uh, regularly and because for all the reasons that we talked about on the show today, uh, there, there's so many good uh, techniques out there to be able to get uh, people's ideas out of their heads and, and get them out on the table or, you know, on the wall, uh, on post-it notes, uh, and, and then actually turn that into action and the, the these activities uh, are really, really great, these facilitation techniques, right? They're, they're very great at uh, helping to turn the ideas into action. So uh, they definitely apply. I think that would be great. Uh, and, and definitely let me know if you do put anything out there because I, I love to continue to add to my tool belt as well. Um, like hopefully most of our listeners are continuing to add to their tool belt. So this is another area that can be, uh, you can just continue to build your, your own personal knowledge base and, and look for opportunities to apply this in whether you're doing, working with a, a lean transformation, uh, whether you're in the office, whether you're out in a, an operations environment, manufacturing yeah. environment, whatever it might be, these these tools definitely apply. So, Anna, if it, also if anyone has more questions for you, where where can they get a hold of you uh, with any questions that they might have, or or how can they find out more information about what you do and and what the, the services that you offer? I have a LinkedIn account, of course, and I'm quite active on uh, Instagram. The account is called Lean Office, of course. <laughs> it's quite easy. And uh, also on YouTube. Of course, it's in Italian right now. Mm-hmm. But, 
maybe they can just translate the text automatically. Absolutely. Uh, we do have, uh, I was telling Anna earlier, probably 50% of our listeners are US based and English speaking. Uh, however, we do have, uh, we also have many listeners in uh, Europe. And, um, and mm -hmm. so who knows, you know, the, the Italian uh, world may continue to grow and, and, but obviously connecting to your uh, page, your LinkedIn page, or, or looking at uh, out on Instagram uh, and connecting if, if you are Italian or speak Italian and would like to more information. Uh, but Anna obviously does speak English as well. So uh, definitely feel free to reach out to her and we will put her contacts uh, in the show notes if you if you do want to reach out to her. Anna, it's been great having you on the show. Um, you know, we only talked about maybe a few of the different liberating structures. You said there's 33, I think you mentioned. Yeah, the liberating structures are Yeah, so so uh, I'd love to have you back on in the future, and maybe we can dive into a few of the other ones in detail and uh, and and talk about examples and, and applications. So thank you for for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, have an amazing week. You too. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.